did you know? School Sport Victoria offers 650,000 sporting opportunities in 31 different sports. At 10,700 events across the state every single year. That's a lot of kids playing sport. And for over 25 years, the Victorian School Sports Awards have recognised more than 1,500 students, teachers and volunteers for excellence and outstanding contribution to school sport. Now that's a champion effort. Good afternoon and welcome to the Ask SSV show. We hope you're uh, enjoying this beautiful weather. It's not going to stay that way for the rest of the weekend, but we've got the very lovely Dave McNeil with us. How are you, Dave? Good, thanks, Traff. Thanks for having me. No, our pleasure, mate. We've been chasing you for a little while and we've already got questions that are starting to roll in, so we better get started. We've got quite a show, but, you know, before we um, start getting into the questions, I want to paint the picture of how decorated you are because I learn something by every athlete that I interview and we interview every Friday, but I was a little gobsmacked by the amount of times that you've represented Australia, not even counting national titles. You have uh, several of those national titles, in fact. But just international, 2004 Commonwealth Youth Games, 2010 Commonwealth Games in Delhi, 2011 World Cross Country Championships in Spain, 2012 London Olympics, 2013 World Cross Country Championships again in Poland, 2016 Rio Olympics, 2017 World Cross Country Championships in Uganda, 2018 Commonwealth Games Gold Coast and 2019 World Cross Country Championships in Denmark. Not only does that say you've got a lot of frequent flyers, but you are a very decorated athlete. How does it feel to have those achievements read back to you? Yeah, it makes me feel a little old, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's it's um, it's been an absolute privilege to to be able to to do what I love for so long and. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of fun along the way and, and obviously a lot of support to um, to make all of that possible. So really grateful. I mean, you, the first time you, you wore the green and gold was in 2004 for uh, the Commonwealth Youth Games. Mm. Going back, you know, that's that's a long time. That's, that's a span of um, my maths is failing me right now. It's about 15 years of staying in form. That is remarkable in and of itself. Which of these is the most special to you which means the most to you um i think uh I, it's hard to go past the olympics um yeah. london and rio were, were both special for slightly different re reasons um london obviously because it was my first olympic team um and uh you know i think like a lot of a lot of athletes you um you have a uh series of adversities that lead up to that and um i had had my fair share and um in some ways it was a bit of a surprise to to get there um and then had my family um watching watching in the stadium so that was pretty special um and then rio um was kind of icing on the cake because um you know you'll we, we might even touch on this but um the olympics only happen every four years it's a um, you know, in my case, it's a, you know, a less than 30 minute window in which you have to get everything right, um, which you prepare years and years to do. 
Um, and Rio was probably as close as I could get to getting everything right on the day at the right time in the right race um, and ran as, you know, as close to probably what I was capable of doing in, in a world-class field. So, um, and again, I had my family there watching and, and uh, it was, it was um, yeah, pretty amazing experience. That would have been, and you know, um, obviously the Com Games and the Gold Coast, it was significant for you. You know, going back to 2004 or, you know, going back in general, where did it all start for you? Ah, good question. Um, well, I, I've always, uh, I've always been pretty partial to sport. I started off my, <laughs> my love of sport in, in basketball. Um, and that's what I played from, you know, when I was a real young kid, sort of seven or eight, through till about 15, 16. And um, I took up running kind of, I stumbled into. Um, I, I did some school cross-country races, um, did them, started to do them a little bit more regularly, you know, once I got into high school and um, just seemed to kind of improve with each race. And I think that the real turning point for me was... Um, was when I met my first coach, um, Tom Kelly, um, who's unfortunately no longer with us. But um, he uh, he was a remarkable um, remarkable human being, and and uh, what he did for me was really, um, I guess, show me the sport was one thing, um, and two, uh, his passion for the sport really rubbed off on me, and and um, and he really fostered what has now become a lifelong um, love of, of running. Um, and, you know, in, in large part, he's, he's a big reason for why I'm still doing it now um, all these years later. Well, I mean, he's even got a track named after him, Tom Kelly Reserve, which is a remarkable man. Um, yeah. Your first Team Vic appearance was in 2001 as a 16-year-old where you made the cross-country. Is that right? You yeah, made right. the cross-country. Yeah. What was it like to make the cross-country there for the first time? Oh, yeah, it was real special. I remember um, I remember qualifying at the state champs at uh, Bandura and, um, you know, I'd, I'd, it wasn't my first state champs but it was my first state team and I remember in previous years, you know, not being in the mix to make the team and and seeing um, seeing the kids ahead of me um, get their little um, piece of paper at the finish line and go and try on uniforms and um, <laughs> I, I remember thinking, oh man, I'd love to do that and and um, yeah, really, it, it just it was kind of the product of sticking at it for a few years and um, and it was yeah, it was a special experience. Um, one making the team and then. And then two, wearing the, the Vic colours and, and uh, travelling to Perth. Um, geez, that was oh, 19 years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, still still people that I'm um, run with or friends with now. Liam Adams was a teammate of mine and Collis Birmingham was, was on that team as well. Um, yeah, some, some, uh, some people that would uh, later become pretty famous in their own right. It's pretty special. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right there. And we, we've had some questions come in that have been pre-submitted and we've got some on Facebook now that we'll get to. But I just want to um, talk quickly about Kiara's question. Kiara's from Kariah Creek Primary School. And she's asked this, as I'm only starting out my journey, what advice would you give to me now? Now, let's, you know, let's just wind the clock back. 
Dave's a, a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy. <laughs> um, Kiara's probably around that same age, 10, 12, 11. You know, what, what advice would you give to yourself and, and to Kiara and others like her now? Yeah, good question. I mean, I um, look at the, the underlying thing is, is um, make it, put yourself in an environment where you're enjoying it. So um, that's, that's the number one factor. Um, you know, we can, we can talk about, you know, training hard and, and um, putting in the work and, um, and setting, you know, lofty goals and things like that. Um, but the very first thing that you need to do is, is enjoy it. Um, cause if you enjoy it, you'll keep doing it. And if you keep doing it, um, you'll, you'll build some consistency. And if you build some consistency, that's when you start to improve. And that's when you start to those goals, you start to tick off. Um, you know, the, the performances get better, your times get better. Um, so I guess the question that leads on from that, well, how do you do that? How do you, how do you go about enjoying it? So um things that i found important were um i i joined a, a group a training group um a club um so it was very first and foremost it was a social um thing for me um i loved uh going out to doncaster when i was a, a young fella and, and training with tom and and some of the folks there um so that's the first thing and then um look i think from there just yeah, that that's all, all the others, all the all the details, setting goals, getting better, um, you know, all of that stuff comes comes second. But um, first and foremost, um, put yourself in an environment where you'll enjoy it. Yeah, the most important aspect you are absolutely right is the enjoyment factor. You mean the enjoyment that underpins everything you do can get you through the hardest times. It's it's easy to enjoy it when you're when you're you know winning and you're getting selected for yeah. olympics but it's difficult when you've got an injury when things aren't going your way when you haven't had a personal best and and that enjoyment factor is is so important absolutely for you not only have you had to maintain over a long period of time to stay in form you know we've established it's 15 years plus you've also had to foster that fun aspect like yeah. i i'm not stupid enough to think that every time you hit the track you would have just loved doing what you do but yeah. what is it that you love about running what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning or, or gets you to that training session when you really don't want to be there yeah look i think it's probably changed a little bit over the years um you know just as i've grown up um i've i've grown up as a runner so um you know the things that got me out the, out of bed probably have changed over the years but Look in general, I I absolutely love um, I love training with the group. So I'm I'm part of the Melbourne Track Club, um, and ordinarily we'd be we'd be meeting up and training at least a couple of times a week, and that's actually been you know one of the one of the hard things during um, during 2020 and um, particularly in Victoria and um, and being restricted to our movements and so forth. Um, but so so. It, just as it was when I was younger, there's a there's a social component to it. Um, I think the longer I've been doing it, um, there's a there's a certain part of running that is just part of my identity. It's it's who I am. I'm a runner, um, and so if I don't run, I don't feel like myself. Um, and if I don't feel like myself, then I'm I'm not the 
I'm not the best version of myself for, you know, my friends and family and colleagues and, and people that I work with. So I, I'm certainly conscious of that. Um, and inevitably, you know, I, I, and I have, I have days where I, you know, it's a, it's a struggle to get out the door and, um, sometimes I just like, I don't really feel like it, but, um, 99 times out of a hundred, I feel better afterwards. And I'm, I've done it long enough that I know that and um, and so so that's another part of it and and then I guess thirdly um, it's uh, it's good for my mental health um, exercise is good for your mental health getting fresh air um, breathing hard getting your heart rate up um, I don't I don't underestimate um, the uh, the contribution that my running makes to my mental health and um, certainly in this day and age, that's, that's an important consideration and, and it's really great that we can talk about things like that. Um, it wasn't a popular, popular uh, uh, notion or, or topic to talk about when you're younger, but it's, that's always what it's been. It's, it's, uh, if you, it makes me happy um, and that's a good thing um, all around. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd imagine it would be tough, like you said, to get out the door, but we, we've had a question come in from, Joanne Nasser, and it's kind of along these lines, and I'll, I'll pop it onto the screen now. What keeps you focused while running, or, or how do you stay focused? And let's extend it even further to what's been some of the things that you've put in place to to keep you going for fifteen years. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Look, and I think um, on a day to day basis and a run to run basis, it varies a little bit. Um, I I strongly believe that. There are some runs um, where it's okay not to be focused um, and just to tick off tick off the Ks. And and as a as a middle and long distance runner, um, you know, I you know at times I've I've ticked off 160 to 180 k a week. Um, perhaps not as much this this uh, now, but a lot of those Ks are um, it's okay for them to be mindless and and not to be. Um, always focused on you know your goals and what's coming up um i personally have found when i when i'm too focused um it's more likely that i'm going to be anxious um and being sort of in an anxious frame of mind is not something that can stay can sustain on a day-to-day basis so um i'm very careful um on which days I am really focused and which days I'm, I'm a little bit more switched off. So the days that I'm more focused are my, my key workout days. Um, how do I stay focused? Um, I, I break it down. I, my coach will send me the, the workout um, or, you know, we, we, we meet up um, as, a, as a team and, and we get the workout on the day, whatever the case may be. Um, and I just break it up into its components, you know, what pace do I have to run here? Um, you know, how far have I got to go? And just tackling it one piece at a time. You know, I've, I, um, I coach a few athletes myself and I sometimes talk about um, uh, outcome goals and process goals. And your outcome goals are, you know, um, getting a medal at, at state championships or, or making a VIC team or, or, or making the Olympics, um, so I've I've always got those goals. Um, there's a there's a poster just behind the computer where I've got some some goals written up at the moment, and and um, I see them on a daily basis. Um, I acknowledge them, um, but 
I the you, you have to p- pick and choose when when you when you really focus because um, being focused all the time um, I think can be um, it, it it can potentially be detrimental. That's not to say that I um, you know every waking moment of my day and life um, is certainly geared around making sure that I'm um, recovering and and getting the most out of my runs. Um, but I do all that preparation beforehand. So when I'm actually out there running or training or about to go train, um, the, the worry and the anxiety of what I need to do, I can just put, put aside and, um, and get the job done. That's a very wise answer. And it's, it's certainly shows your experiences shows through that answer. And Arden's come up with a question too, which kind of aligns with this. And he's asked, he's from Maribyrnong Sports Academy, Maribyrnong College. How would you prepare for a big event in the days leading up to it? Like what sorts of things do you do? Do you wash your socks a particular way? Do you eat bananas? Do you, what do you do to prep? Yeah, um, again, probably something that's changed a little bit over the years. Um, and I, um, I've, I've been somewhat fortunate, I guess, to, to race all over the world. And um, that's also presented um, some unique challenges in terms of um, sometimes you go to big events and uh, the things that you're used to aren't necessarily always available or there. Um, so, so one thing I've learned to be is, is to be pretty adaptable. Um, I don't have a particular pre-race meal or, or, or things that, like that that I, that I um, subscribe to. Um, I am conscious of making sure, you know, that I'm, um, I'm fueling well and, and eating well and um, hydrating well, things like that. Um, but I'm doing that most of the time anyway, um, whether or not it's preparing for a big event. The, the main differences, I guess, um, uh, training may, um, may be sort of reduced slightly leading up to a, a big event. So I may taper a little bit. The runs might get a little bit shorter. The workouts um, may get a little faster but shorter just to kind of sharpen up. Um, and, and another important thing is uh, I try to um, think about what my race plan um, and what my goals, specific goals are, um, you know, at least three or four days beforehand. Um, and whether that's a conversation with my coach or whether it's just sitting down writing something down, um, just thinking about it. I like to do that a few days ahead of time and then just kind of tick that box and go, yep, I've got a plan. Um, and I think that that kind of uh, helps with reducing some of the anxiety that can come with um, getting closer and closer to a race. Now, I'll, I'll always be nervous before races and I, th- um, I think Roger Federer, once had a had a um, a really good quote, which was, um, "If you if you're not nervous, um, then it, you you don't care enough to be there." Um, so I think that's certainly true. And so nerves are part of competition and and getting ready for races. And I'm okay with that. Um, but I at least try to um, reduce some of that anxiety about, oh, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? How am I going to run this race? Um, I try and take care of that a few days before, so I can. Kind of just let it settle and and let it let it marinate um, as you will um, 
uh, so that I'm ready on the, the day of a big event. Yeah, that's um, it sounds, and the quote you just used about Federer, when we interviewed Luke Matthew, he he said the same thing. Luke Matthews lives by that quote as well. Now, you um, who is your coach? I think I know who it is, but I don't want to say just in case. Who is your yeah, coach? Yeah, so Nick Bido is my... I thought it was, yeah. Nick, yeah. what a coach he is. Like, yeah. your squad is phenomenal, like both the males and the females. Yeah. They, I mean, I haven't done enough research to make this statement, but I'll say it's my opinion that they've got to be one of the fastest in the nation right now. Like they are such in red hot form. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's uh, certainly the um, a, a large proportion of the cream of the crop of distance running in Australia. Not the entire <laughs> the entire cream of the crop, but a, certainly a large proportion. And I think that's um, that's the product of um, many years of of. Mm. Nick um cultivating a um a team and a group culture that uh sorry i've just got my cat going a little crazy in the background there yeah. <laughs> um that's the product of yeah many years of Nick building building a team um and i think you know you you look back to the early days um when it was uh craig mottram and and benita johnson and um, and then later Collis Birmingham, and then um, it's kind of grown over the years. Um, and I think in I think in Rio, Nick had a uh, maybe a total of I think it, I think it was either sixteen or eighteen athletes running in the Rio, um, which is uh, yeah pretty phenomenal for one coach. Um, it is, and what's interesting about that is that for you as yeah. an athlete. You don't need to look too far. Your your competition on race day is probably within arm's length, or we're not allowed yeah. to touch each other at the moment. We're going to stay one and a half meters apart, but it's they're within a distance. They're within yeah. your crew that yeah, you're you're competing with them, but you're training with them as well. Yeah, absolutely, and that's. I mean, it's it's part of um, it's part of what Nick Nick has built is has built a team um, of you know we're all athletes. In, in many respects, um, competing for the same spots and on the same squads, and um, and yet we we make the the squad work so well together. Um, we get to training sessions, and um, the this, the sessions are, are so brutally hard that um, you've got no choice but to work together um, yeah. and 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 work as part of a team and. And that's one of the things that I, I really love about the group and about what Nick's created is um, it's it's a great group di- group dynamic um, where people work together. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I, I've spent um, not to not to name drop too much, but you know, I spent most of the winter um, training with Stuart McSwain. Um, you know, I was I was probably you know more at my limits, and Stewie was probably on a Sunday afternoon stroll, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, being being in an environment like that, where you where you're working with, where you're training with um, athletes of that calibre on on a daily basis, I mean that's probably another reason why I'm I'm still um, still chasing chasing dreams at age 34. Is it's um, there's I've always got <laughs> young people um, to keep me accountable and keep me motivated and and keep pushing. So yeah, that's true. I mean you I. Personally, I love Stu McSween. He's such a good runner and such a good guy off the yeah. track as well. But, Absolutely. you know, I really felt for him and, and the likes of him and yourself and, and um, others when 
Tokyo was postponed because he was in the form, I'll say in my opinion, the form of his life. Like he, he'd run a blistering time at Zatopec. He'd run yeah. some crazy times overseas. And, yeah. But, you know, it just, it'll just make you guys stronger and go on. Now, we've had a question come in from Stefan, who's from Halebury. Mm. What's the average preparation time for a marathon runner? Now, before we get into the question, what's your pet event? Like, what's your distance? Yeah, so I'm a 5K and 10K um, yeah. specialist, I guess. I um, I haven't run a marathon, but I, I obviously train um, with uh, quite a few marathoners and I'm, I'm familiar with the event. So um, hopefully I can still act still still answer the question so yeah what like you can't you can't just run 10k every time you want to train that would be crazy so yeah. what is the preparation time for someone running a 10k distance because that's a long way yeah look i think um you always have to strip it back um you know you you can for whenever you're preparing for a big event um you, you traditionally set aside um a step period of time where you you start to incorporate more and more um, training elements that uh, more closely reflect what you're what you're actually preparing for. Um, so a, a more specific, so marathoners would call it their marathon specific training, um, and they they often um, will do that for eight to twelve weeks um, leading up to a marathon. How long does it take to prepare for a marathon? Eight to 12 weeks? Absolutely not. It's going to take years to prepare for a marathon. Um, if you're wanting to do it uh, at a at a, um, a fairly serious elite level. Um, so uh, I guess, um, you know, if you look at some some good Aussie marathoners like um, Brett Robinson and, and Jack Rayner, um, you know, they're both, um, Brett's in his late 20s, Jack's in his mid mid to late 20s um and they've spent years uh week in week out year in year out um you know running 120 130 140 160 plus k's per week um week in week out and that doesn't that doesn't count for nothing um that's kind of the 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 base um and the the yeah the, i guess the base on which you you start to do a marathon build-up or, or a, um, a 10K um, specific build-up. Um, that's at least at the elite level. Um, at a, at a, a junior level um, where you're not necessarily preparing for a marathon but maybe you're preparing for a 1,500, a 3K, a 5K, um, it's, a, it's a different story. Um, you're, you're at a different point in your physical development. Um, you're younger. You have youth on your side. You recover a lot better. Um, and you're, you're generally on pretty, a pretty rapid improvement curve. So, um, the, the rules change a little bit. Um, and so, you know, your, your preparation might be only a few weeks, um, leading up to a, a particular race, like a state championships. Um, so it, it, it varies, it varies with age. Um, it varies with level of experience and it varies from event to event. I mean, that um, is an interesting answer in itself and you've, you've named some other people that are, are fantastic as well in that. A question that's come in from Finn and Finn's from um, Spensley Street and he's asked an interesting question as well and, and let's keep this kind of short, the short-term 
um, prospect. How do you motivate yourself to keep running when you feel like you can't run anymore? And what I mean by short term is when, you know, we're not talking over a period of months, but when you're actually in a race, you, you're doing yeah. a 10K, you've hit, yeah. um, I've heard it talked about, I've never done it myself, but I've heard the wall, yeah. heard about the wall. Talk us through what happens because I'd imagine the mental aspect of your run can sometimes overpower the physical aspect where your body wants to keep going, but your mind's saying, you need to stop, buddy, or I'm going to, you know, no, do something here. No question. No question. And, you know, even all these years later, I, I still um, I still have races where, where, I, where I have these exact, um, these exact problems and these exact negotiations going in my head. Um, you know, can I can I stay with this group ahead of me? Can I keep going? Can I maintain this pace? Um, there's a few things. Um, the first is practice, and and you have to recognise that um, for the vast for the vast majority of cases, it is a it is a mental battle. Um, it is you do get to a point in a race, um, almost every race, um, where it's just kind of like you get to the 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 tip of the tip of the mountain. And all of a sudden, it's um, it's uh, it just changes. You all of a sudden, your body's like, "Oh, danger! Uh, this this is this is this is not where I, this is territory I shouldn't be going." Um, but you have to recognise that it's it's your it is in in many respects, um, in many ways, a, a mental battle. Um, and the best way to to deal with it is is through practice. Um, so practicing in, in training sessions, um, when it, when you get to a rep and it starts getting really difficult, recognizing that point in, in your training session where it does get difficult and having that conversation with yourself in your brain, no, I'm going to keep going. Um, and how do you do that? You know, there's, there's a few different ways that I've done it. One, um, particularly in training, you know, when it gets, starts getting uncomfortable, if I'm. I'm like struggling to hold onto the pace. Um, usually, what I do is I'll whoever I'm running with, whether it's Geordie Williams or, or Brett Robinson or any of those you know, those guys, and I'm if I'm sitting in behind them, I'll just look at their legs and like just follow their legs, follow yeah. their cadence. So focus on something external. Um, so we we tend to run into trouble when we start thinking internally. So we think about the pain, we think about how uncomfortable everything is. Um, so at that point where you recognise it's getting really hard, start focusing on something external. So in a race, maybe it's someone, the person in front of you, and you're just like, don't let that, don't let that rubber band expand anymore. Try and maintain that distance with the, the person in front. And it might be just like one more lap, one more lap, half a lap, half a lap, and just keep, keep doing that. But it does take practice. And the practice you're talking about, I'd imagine, is you, you, you like you put your body through training to, to hit lactic and push through. Yeah. There's, a, there's an element where you need to push yourself in that mental aspect as well because, I mean, there's an infamous scene that's at least burned into my memory banks when I happened to attend the Common Games in Gold Coast. So I went with my son yeah. and I have a very vivid, I think you know what I'm going to talk about, is yeah. the marathon runner who just, yeah. it looked yeah. ugly from the outside. I know not every marathon runner goes through that, but you yeah. could see... Yeah. The mind and the body were battling it out, and yeah. it was just so ugly to watch. Yeah, and that's a that's probably an extreme example of going yeah. almost the the entire other way. 
so that the, the the mind has has uh, willed willed him on much further than he, he physically yeah. probably was capable of doing, and um, and they were were unique circumstances, and um, you know it was it was hot, um, it was sunny, it was humid, um, it was late in the morning, it was a marathon. Well, that's what I was about to say is that you could train yourself in Victorian conditions to just you know do the run and hit that wall, yeah. but surely weather diet sleep all play a factor in that you can train all you like and and hit you know i'm just going to say for argument's sake you might hit that wall in victoria at the 8k out of 10k mark yeah but in in the heat it might come at three and it might it does it does it blindside you like that yeah absolutely and that's that's a very good point and and these are all factors that preclude um any any sort of mental battles that you get to and and at the end of the day, you, you, you're only as good as your preparation and, and whether that's your, your, your actual running training, um, your diet, um, how well hydrated you are, how well prepared you are for the particular conditions that you're running in. Um, you know, for, for, for many, many viewers here, it might be a case of, um, and, and perhaps not this year, but you live in Victoria in, in pretty mild um, mild temperatures and, and then you get to go to a, a nationals. Maybe it's up in, in Queensland and it's it's a whole lot hotter and and um, and and conditions that you're not used to. Um, so all, all things that you that need to be considered um, when you're when you're getting ready for a race. Um, and that's the sort of stuff is really hard to prep for because you, you just and, mentioned before your first Team Vic, I think you said was in Queensland, but we travel. We send the kids to WA, yeah, which is yeah, hot. Northern yeah. Territory, yeah. blistering hot. Yeah, Queensland, obviously, and then yeah. Tassie, the opposite. It's freezing yeah. down in Tassie. Yeah. It's different, yeah. you know. So different yeah. conditions create different environments, I guess. Yeah, and 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 a lot of the time, you know, the conditions are and how we prepare for them are, are out of our hands. Uh, we we can't control whether it's a windy day or a or a hot day. Um, you know, sometimes we're going to be fortunate enough that we can we can prepare for hot conditions. Sometimes we're not going to be able to do that. Um, we're just going to be thrown in in the deep end. Um, but we need to. There, there's an opportunity to recognise. Um, you know what might be challenging. Um, I think it's also important to to recognise that everyone's in the same boat. Um, so everyone's everyone's dealing with maybe it's windy conditions, um, wet conditions, hot conditions. Um, so they're sort of some of the factors that are potentially out of our control. Mm. Um, factors that are within our control are our, um, our, our diet and, and making sure that we're well fueled um, before races. I've certainly in the past um, made errors around um, how, much, uh, how much I should be eating the day before. Um, I, I, I typically... I, um, for a long time, I thought, oh, I'm only doing 5K, 10K. I'm never going to be hitting a wall like a marathoner. It's not as important as long as I, you know, eat a pretty balanced diet, I'll be okay. Um, but then, you know, I, I've more recently um, been much more particular about, you know, having a, a higher carbohydrate um, in the days before and, and noticing a big difference um, in my consistency on race day. So, Things like that, and, and it's going to be different for everyone. And um, I think the bottom line is is um, they're all factors that you should think about. You don't have to get it right the first time. 
um, some of these things can take many races, many years to to fine tune. Um, but they're the sort of things that you should think about. Um, reassess after each race what worked, what didn't, um, what can we do better. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. I I, yeah. I love your answer because I I think. Um, what I'll draw out of your answer that maybe wasn't as clear to some of the younger folk that will be watching this and watching this later is that you're still learning. You've mentioned your age, so I can mention again, 34. You didn't get it right as a 12 or 15-year-old kid. You've still continued to learn. And I think that's important as an athlete that athletes just take themselves off the... That take them out themselves out of the naughty corner and, and stop punishing themselves for doing things because that's a learning curve and a learning experience that because you've like let's face it you've been in Uganda you've been in Poland you've been to you know all over Australia you've travelled in lots of conditions and there would have been a learning curve that came with the territory in terms of where you were competing right yeah absolutely and and um and yeah you you made a good point is. You know, I'm I'm 34 and I'm still learning these lessons, and and admittedly, I still make some of the same mistakes that I've been making for 10 years. Um, and and you know, it's it's always something I I try to do better. And you know, it also it gets a lot harder as you get older, and you kind of your your the your gains and your improvements become so much more marginal. Um, so you know. At my age and at the level that I'm at, you know, I can't I can't aim for a personal best every every time I race. Um, so there's different things that I'm aiming for. You know, I might be aiming for to be more competitive, to to position better at a particular race rather than the time. Um, and so, because my approach, because um, the conditions change, where I'm racing, what I'm racing changes, um, the lessons never stop. Uh, you never it's you're always in a slightly different scenario each time you line up and um i think recognizing that um and you know when you if you have a bad race or you do something um you make a mistake or you do something that you later recognize you could have done better that's fine that's it's part of racing no no one races the same so you can't expect to um to get it perfectly right every time because it's always going to be a little bit different and there are always going to be those uncontrollable factors yeah, very, very how, true. how good your, your competitors going to run you could you can have an absolutely stellar race and your competitors just happen to have an even more stellar race <laughs> that and, must be very frustrating <laughs> it is but you and and i still you know i still uh I think I think back to the start of the year we did a um, we had a, a race around the tan and I ran a huge PB yeah. um, and uh, I you know I, I'm I look back on it now and I'm like ab- absolutely chuffed with it but at the time I was like oh, I still got beaten by three four people and I was like I wanted to you know get a slightly diff- better position and and so that, look there's there's always <laughs> you you. You uh, there's always going to be the temptation to focus so much on what didn't go well, um, what could be done better, but just make sure that you do celebrate the things that do go well. Um, that's important. Um, always yeah, that's that. very true. Before we get into the uh, couple of last questions, you, you, I just want to pick up on something you said before that almost every race you you get that mental wall. Is 
Is that true for a runner who's a 5 and a 10K runner? Even when you're running a 1500 or a 3K, does that wall still come? I think so, yeah, and, and it'll come in different ways. And, um, and, and then, but then, of course, you'll, you'll have races where it doesn't come and, and they're the ones where something magic happens and, and <laughs> you, you um, change gears and you, you fly past your competitors and you have a great race. Um, so, look, it, it does vary and um, certainly, um, I guess, yeah, all these years later and, and I guess the calibre of people that I tend to be, tend to be racing against, um, yeah, it, it usually does get challenging and um, you, a lot of the time I'm racing against the people that I'm training with and I know, I know for sure that, um, yeah, they're always going to be tough races because I, I train with some pretty tough, pretty tough runners Um but uh, yeah, look, it, it's it. Uh, like I said, it, it's um, that sort of that difficult point in the race, that difficult point point in your training session. It can come at different times. Um, sometimes it won't come, um, but you should always be prepared for it and and have a strategy of how am I going to get through this and how am I going to um, to to try and maintain and, and be competitive even when my body's telling me to, to slow down. <laughs> now, just changing tact a little bit as we finish off, how has sport set you up for life in general? Yeah, um, good question. Um, not an easy answer. <laughs> um, I, so I'm 34. Um, I've done a few, a few different things outside of, outside of running. I, um, you know, when I finished when I finished year twelve back in two thousand and four, I I went to uni. I started a physio degree, um, got a year and a half in, and wasn't sure it was for me. Um, I then went to the US. I went on a college scholarship and and ran there. I did a bachelor's and a master's there, um, <laughs> and and then finished my master's. Like oh, I don't know if this is really for me either. But the the one constant for me was always was always running so running was always the thing that I loved um, is now always will be um, no matter what level I'm running at and so I I think probably five six years ago you know I was asking myself this question I'd finished two I'd t- finished two and a half degrees at this point I was like what do I where am I going what am I doing and um, and I just realized well Running is what I love. I love being part of that community. Um, I love um, being with runners, working with runners. Um, and so I, I, I made a decision to go back to physiotherapy because I saw it as um, an opportunity to, um, to stay involved in the sport. Um, so what has running done for me? It's, it's, um, it's certainly it's, it shapes a large part of my identity and what I love. Um, it shapes... Uh, I guess the direction I I've kind of set for my life, um, you know, it won't always be as a as a competitive runner, um, but uh, in some way, shape, or form, it'll it will always be part of what I do. And um, even now, as I as I um, I guess kind of a little bit at that transition point where I'm sort of a physio and a and a and a runner, um, it's uh, yeah, it's giving me a unique opportunity to. Um, straddle both sides of the of the um, the running world so it's um yeah it's 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 the gift that keeps giving for me 
<laughs> and what a, an amazing journey, like you mentioned, you've been on. You've got now a double degree and a master's in in phys um, in exercise science. Exercise science, sorry, yep, exercise science. That's right. And you know that is quite remarkable with all the achievements that we talked about at the start of the year to this. Um, you know, it, it's a it's interesting. I work for the Department of Education and Training, so it's difficult to um, give all my opinion around it. But I think sometimes we push kids into a cookie cutter mentality that you must know what you're doing in the future when you're 13 or 14, yeah. and that mustn't move. But yet, at the same time, yeah, I don't know any adult between the age of 30 to 60 that has stayed in that one job and sought that one. Now they're, they're probably out there, but. Yeah. The vast majority do chop and change and find themselves and, and redefine who they are and therefore their values change and their their morals in some ways change and they keep going into exploring what life might be and job satisfaction is so important, right? Absolutely. So absolutely. Look, we, we make decisions at every every point in our of our lives. And you know, from an education standpoint. Um, we make decisions, you know, when we when we go from year ten to a year eleven, or from year six to year seven, we we choose what subjects we want to do. Um, and just like you know, the subjects you choose in year seven or eight, or just like the subjects you choose in year eleven or twelve, or just like the university course, the TAFE course, um, the apprenticeship you decide you want to do um, after you finish year twelve. None of these decisions are, are forever. Um, you know, they, they can be, but but it's okay. It's okay if you don't really know what you want to do. I I still, you know, I I have a, a better sense of the direction I want to go, um, but I certainly haven't figured it all out. And, you know, I'd, it was probably only sort of five years ago that I decided physio is what I wanted to do. Um, and so I went and, and went and did that. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that will change um, in some way, shape, or form. You know, I'm working in a private practice at the moment, and, and you know, in another five, ten years, who knows what I'll be doing. Um, but I think the bottom line is is um, and particularly for people um, in year twelve, um, and you've, you, you, I, I remember, you know, having to make decisions about, you know. Well, one, do you do I want to go to university, and and two, what do I want to study, and three, you know, what what marks do I need to to do this, and four, am I going to get these marks to get into this course, and um, you know, uh, I think I, I I hope I'm an example um, that you know, one, if you don't know what you want to do, that's okay. Two, if you don't get the marks that you need to do what you want to do, that's also okay. Um, three, if you if you go into something, you get into it, and then decide after six months it's not not for you. That's also okay. You know, there's plenty of time. Um, and uh, and and also at the end of the day, if if there's anything I can, um, any sort of wisdom I can uh, push forward is is choose something that you love. Um, don't don't worry about you know what you're what your parents think i mean worry about what your parents think of course but but at the end of the day um you know the older you get the the more and more the decisions you make are for yourself um and 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 when you when you're finishing high school that's one of the first decisions you're making um and it and it certainly doesn't have to be the last 
Um, but always have in the back of your mind, what do I want to do? Um, where do I want to go? Um, who do I want to do it, do it with? Um, and let those sorts of questions guide, you know, the decisions you make. Uh, that desire is very important. Like we've talked about that, that love for the sport and, and desire to, to train and compete is important. It's also important in education. And yeah. Interesting. You chose physiotherapy and then you walked away from it and it wasn't until that you went to the USA and, and I didn't mention that you actually have two NCAA titles as well. You found yourself and then thought, no, I really want to do physiotherapy. So yeah. I'm imagining David McNeil, before he enjoyed it, it was just a chore. I just have to get this done. It's a grind. Yeah. When you decided, no, I want to do this, it would have probably taken a lot of the grind away. You know, Not that you absolutely love studying, but there would have been a level of it's not too hard anymore. Absolutely. And, look, I, th I think that raises a few things. One is, you know, Whatever you do in life, there there will be times where it is a grind. Um, there's a there's times where it's a grind as, as an athlete. There's times where it's a, a grind as a physio. Um, but I think that the thing that changed was that I between when you know I, I first started a physio degree after high school, and then when I went back and did a physio degree in 2017, um, was I, I I had a vision at this point, so I had a vision of where I wanted to where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do with it, um, and I probably didn't have that the first time around. So um, it helps to have um, some idea about like just larger scale questions, not like do I want to be a, um, a a carpenter or a nurse or a um, or you know um, work in retail or, or anything like that, but like what's What's your purpose? What do you want to? What's what makes you happy? Um, what are the sort of who are the sort of people that you want to be around? Um, asking those questions are, is a good prelude to to making decisions about, you know, what what sort of what particular field might that be might that fit into? That's fantastic. Now we've we've run out of time. You you I reckon that we could talk for another hour and a half, and you could give lots of tips to those listening and, and we really love that. And look, um, we just want to say, School Sport Victoria, really proud of the fact that you have come through our pathway, through cross country, as an itty bitty short little boy, you're not short anymore, and now going on to bigger and better things and you've got two Olympics and two Com Games or nearly three Com Games under your belt. You've got one that you're focusing on in Tokyo and we want to wish you all the best and we really believe that you are going to put everything into it and we're going to continue to champion your cause in the journey to Tokyo 2021 or 22. Who knows when it's going to be? Yeah, who knows? But, yeah, thanks, Raf, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and thanks for the questions. And, um, yeah, feel free to reach out if you um, if you have any questions on through social media and stuff. I'm happy to – always happy to say good day and answer a question. Well, we put the um, show – we put your Instagram account in the show notes so people can tune in there. But – um, we will get on board and, and continue to champion you like we've said and, and good luck for the future. Thanks, Raf. See you guys. See ya.